0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan. Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be chatting about a dark day for the Wallabies, but an excellent one for Wales, who are already through to the quarterfinals, and a big win for England. And of course, an epic and brutal encounter between Ireland and South Africa. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. You're back home. You're back doing your day job, back with the kids. What? You've been sick. What's happened? I've been doing my
3: day job. The day job's been at the weekends, but I am home. I am tired, but I am happy. Uh, twin's birthday this week, so daddy's home, and he's not going to shout. He's just going to nod. Sleep. I'll probably sleep. Yeah, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm going to sleep a lot, but I'm here to help. We've got a big few weeks coming up. Not that we're resting this week. I've got the big one at the weekend for ITV. Can't wait for that. Scotland, Romania. And then I'm going back for the quarterfinals. But I am home for now. But yeah, it's been epic, as we know. As you've seen on social media, it's been amazing. I've loved it. The last few weeks, especially. What was your highlight from the weekend? Who would you speak to? Well... This is what I mean, when you pitch side and Goody knows, like when you're in and around the lads, like we want to know, aren't we? Eben, Eben, come here. to me. <laughs> Give
0: me a hug for social media.
3: Sia, come and show me. I didn't know anyone was filming. I didn't say, oh, mate, can you just make sure that come you're on, filming? Come on, I I didn't
0: know anyone was filming. <laughs> my big arse. Uh, lads, could you just film this just in case anyone shakes my hand and Sia comes and says hello? Bring me back down to earth. Ground me, oh, no, I Oh, there's it. no bringing you back down to Like, it looked unbelievable to be that close on the touchline and the fact that you're like, uh, see ya, see ya, see ya, see ya, come over here quick.
3: Andrew, now you've talked me up, I'll be honest, I had three people filming it just in case <laughs> to get the right angle. I didn't want the biscuit in shot, so you've brought me back down to earth. You know what, Andrew, Goody, mate, you've been there. Like being yeah. There's no better place than being pitch side, and it is an honour to be that close to the pitch. And me and Goody have been there, right? That's our domain, and had Rory McIlroy pitch side, which was great. Shane Lowry, like legends in their own right, in their own Mate, sport.
0: Those two, I'm watching that going, Jim hasn't got a fucking scooby about golf and he's weird two absolute <laughs> legends. As you know, I'm playing golf two, three, four times a week. I'm like, I love it, I'm obsessed with it. I know. And there you are with two of the greats, well, two of the greats of Ireland and world golf. And all I'm thinking of is our golf day that we had in London a few years ago. And you haven't, you've rocked up in, half-cut jeans, <laughs> jean shorts, trainers. Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks. Like, how oh, the fuck do you play this game? <laughs> and then you're with golfing royalty. It looked awesome.
3: Yeah, they were legends. Look, I'm very lucky. But I'll go back to my point, as in this isn't an arrogance around it, because like, having these celebs or these other sports stars who are sports stars and celebs at the games is massive. Like, the other sports do it. Formula One, I've mentioned it. Tennis do it. Football do it. NFL do it. NBA do it. But that's our domain goody. Like we've given blood, sweat and tears to the game. Our game needs that elevated visibility and the crossover of different athletes and famous people to showcase what our game is. And you saw Shane Lowry, for example, he had the biggest smile. I don't know whether they were turkey teeth or Irish teeth, but they look more turkey (coughs) than Irish. But he's smiling from ear to ear. Like the experience of being down there. And then that leads me onto the clips that with the South African lads walking past, there's that mutual respect because we've been there and done it. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, we're looking over. I've got four of the lads videoing from all different angles in HD and portrait mode. Oh, it's gone up from three now. No, there was one filming from up top as well. We're, we're all on walkie-talkies. <laughs> but it's amazing, as in I am genuinely living the dream. I'm loving it. And we've spoken about it before. I might have said it last week. I might have said it the week before. Me and you are racing on the pitch before the Lions thing. Where are our meal. You're arguably at your heaviest before you've had your ankle fused. And people are laughing at us. This was for Rugby Pass. Six years ago, that was. And now the whole thing's evolved. The podcast is, it is what it is. Like, people are talking about that. And I'm now pitch side with fellow peers having just played a game. Like It's an absolute privilege. And yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky and I'm buzzing for it. I, I genuinely am. Like, I feel like I'm living the dream.
0: You're way better at that than you were at rugby, mate. You, I mean, you're, you're flying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Getting, getting videos taken of myself? Yeah,
0: pitch side. All, all your pitch sides. You know, like we speak a lot and to the masses out there. I'm incredibly proud of Jim for doing what he's doing. He's he is living the dream, and I enjoy doing the podcast with you. But watching you do that is absolutely awesome. And like you said, it's privileged for you to be there. But you've grafted to get there, which you have. And just, mate, revel in it. Just don't speak to Rory McElroy. And Shane
3: Larry about golf, because you ain't got a Scooby. But... <laughs> Very true. Interviewing those two, for me, the dream. Yeah, it was it was great to have. Andrew, you're looking really lean at the minute as well. <laughs> like, you are.
0: Thank you, James. And
3: how was your weekend, Goody? On the golf course, was it? No, it wasn't, actually. I played
0: Friday. Played all right. And then school run, and then took the girls to gymnastics. I'm just a dad, with a bit of rugby and a bit of FX and a bit of rugby pod. Took the girls to their acting classes. And then straight into London, I had a load of beers with Ashy, Chris Ashton, he's a better lad than most people think, boys. As we know, the lovable rogue. I was down at Flatiron Square hosting for the England Chili game. And as I've left the house, I said, oh, I'll be back for Ireland South goal. Watch it at home. I'll get back for that. And then get down to Flatiron Square. One beer, two beers, five beers. England game finishes, 71-0. Henry Arundel gets five tries. Ashley was bitter that he scored five tries. He's like, fucking no way, wingers. I'm a winger. I can't believe it, gutted. Anyway, five or six beers, then the game finishes, we're having a chat, a few other people, photos, got people doing a chop-off on stage, of course I did. And then I'm like that. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving! I'm not fucking leaving! Stayed at Flatiron Square and then uh,
3: rolled in at about half one, so doghouse. But yeah, it was a very good Saturday. He said Ashy was a good lad. Normally, when he's had a few too many, like I know, he's ripping clothes off, he's ripping suit jackets, pockets. Yeah, he's nodding. You're he nodding.
0: This is what he said. So we're enjoying a few beers together, and he's like, Goody, I, I think I need to stop. So what do you mean? He goes, I'll get carried away, mate. I'll get carried away. If I have one more, <laughs> I'll get carried away. So he actually left about half time of the South Africa Island game. He sat on the train trying to watch it on his phone on the way home. But he knows he's got that switch in him. And I said, mate, don't be ripping my shirt off my back. Even though it looks a lot better now than it used to, I just can't have you treat me like you treated Jim back in the day with his wedding suit. Do you remember much of the game, Goody? I remember it all. I've got the memory of an elephant, my friend.
1: Very good memory. One of the best pool games ever.
0: If that was a World Cup final tomorrow, we'd all sit back and go, what a final. You know, sometimes finals aren't the most entertaining games. And I'm going to say it was the best, lowest scoring game you've ever seen in terms of everything chucked at it. Okay ball in play time wasn't huge and you can come on to pure stats around it it was a game that realistically suited south africa but the brutality the physicality like the boys from both teams and you expect it from south africa because that's their dna but the ferocity that the irish boys were smashing the saffers from minute 1 to the death and every single player looking at the stats you know you've got 38 year old 39 year 46 year old johnny sexton is the second top tackler in the game for Ireland with 11 tackles. Dierlande runs over and through him after about 10 minutes. Most normal old fellas, your shoulders crumbled, you're walking off the field. Johnny, stay down for a little bit, gets up and just put in a shift. Every player was phenomenal. Bundiaki, out of this world. James Lowe, I've got a bloke next to me, good lad actually, at flat square and he's like, nah, don't rate James Lowe. I'm telling you, (laughs) he's a hell of a player. Like Left foot. Because, massive. Goes, yeah, but do yeah. you remember that time he had the fridge on his back when uh, he was running back and Johnny May scored at Twickenham? I'm <laughs> like, mate, that's about four years ago, pal.
3: Did he say that when Eben Sabeth was in the air as well? Like you get yeah. some fans, yeah, don't rate James though. Yeah, he's picked uh, up the biggest, baddest player on the perch. And absolutely
0: emptied him completely, didn't he? And also the pass for Matt Hansen's try. I can't emphasise enough how hard that skill is to chuck a 15, possibly 20 metre pass off your left hand, under pressure, three metres out from the line or five metres out from the line when you've got the, the box blitzing at you like that, just to have that skill. He was phenomenal. So two Man Ireland were unbelievable. The crowd, as Jim will no doubt get onto, they talked about there was 30,000 Irish fans there. Well, it's an 80,000-seat stadium, isn't it? I reckon there was 78,000 Irish fans there by the end. OK, Ireland had a couple of issues early on with line-outs and all that stuff, but they fixed their own issues. And the game suited the South African way of playing. And let's get on to it, the goal kicking. We talked about it on here before. Miley Bock, unbelievable player, ball in hand. And we said it, it might cost them in big knockout games. And yes, that wasn't a knockout game, but it was the biggest of pool games for them after dusting off Scotland in round one. And, you know, they came up short. They're kicking less
1: than 50% across the whole tournament so far. And that could be an Achilles heel. Have you seen anything with Marnie Labox' technique, Goody, that you think he's falling down in particular? Because there's been a lot going around on social media about what he's doing wrong, how he's placing the ball. Have you noticed anything that he's doing that's obvious? Well, social media,
0: everyone's an expert, aren't they? So last week, we had everyone was an expert on fractured cheekbones. <laughs> I had one and four days later, and I had one and six weeks later, and oh,
3: he can wear a mask. Clive was convinced it was a jaw. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, every kicker has their own individual setup, their own individual process to go through. Johnny Wilkinson sends messages to the ball. you've got to give that message to the ball, and the ball gives you a message back, apparently, or something like that. But mind, the only thing I'd say, and without critiquing and actually going deep into his technique and ball placement and all that stuff, a lot of kickers place the ball differently. But what he does is he misses a lot to the left, which is, means his shoulders are coming round, and he's he's not finishing square to the posts where you want the ball to go. So he's he's whipping around a bit, a bit of a C-shaped kick. But as a kicker, you, what you don't want to do is listen to everyone's opinions about your kicking and your technique. That's the thing. You need to iron it out yourself with your goal-kicking coach. And I go back to the great Dusty Hare, who was my mentor, legend of a bloke. Loose. Loose as you like as well, later in life. Probably earlier in life as well. He was a brilliant coach because he didn't give you over detail. He didn't fill your brain with loads of stuff. He was, and sometimes he's like, just fucking put it on T and fucking whack it over. And it can be as simple as that. But if you are analysing absolutely every inch of your technique from your, your ball placement, your foot placement, your run up, your, how long you take, obviously you've got the shot clock on, You know what your point is and the stand that you're aiming at. Do you aim to the right of the posts? You know, you've know got to take in the wind, the underground conditions, all that stuff. You can absolutely mind-fuck yourself if you go into over detail. So he's just got to get a groove and find a way with his gulking
3: coach. And then if not, just give it to Andre Pollard, who's back, because he can play hooker as well. But you're right. The Achilles heel is that now. It's a the thing they're going to have to address, because the week before they were defending it. And to leave 11 points out on the pitch then South Africa would have won. Obviously, it doesn't work like that, does it? Ireland's lineup didn't function in the first half. If it did, it could have been more. There weren't easy kicks as well. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, look at me. I'm, I'm about to say, oh, I think they were. <laughs> <laughs> they were there was of one that he should have nudged, 100%. The one to the left. Yeah. Yeah, the one that kind of bananaed around. Look, yeah, but it's the thing now, isn't it? Mentally, it must be. You can't hide away from the noise and... You're working on it. So I imagine Andre Pallard will come in, but there'll be a number of things that they'll obviously want to look at and assess. The hooker could potentially be one, albeit Dean Faree, I thought, played well when he came on. That not straight was fairly harsh. It weren't glaringly obviously not straight. The one thing for me, they took Sia Khaleesi off at 52 minutes. They were winning. And Eben Beth before that, two of your biggest players. Was Khaleesi injured? I don't think he was.
0: Do you have a word in his ear when you had a hug oh so, yeah, thanks for hugging me for social media why, why did
3: you come off it was just legend and legend that was it <laughs> so they were the two big things that I picked out was obviously the kick that as well but my goodness me again looking at it back you get a better perspective from the TV Ireland were phenomenal and in a high pressure game for them which it is World Cup everyone's talking about Ireland when it comes to a World Cup they don't deliver they've had two easy games they dusted off Romania dusted off Tonga oh South Africa this is the one you know this is the one that they're going to struggle with the world champions of course it was going to be close but Andy Farrell you listen to the press conference after how good everything's mindset Yeah. and he's making that point time and time and time again it's going to ebb and flow to quote Andy Farrell which it did that game could have gone either way if it is a replay of the final potentially we can get into that now we know DuPont might be back for the quarters however it unfolds but that game could have gone either way Like I sent the lads a couple of clips that I thought, oh, that's harsh against Ireland. Not that I'm South African. I'm actually glad that Ireland won because I think it gives us a better World Cup with Ireland pushing that hard. Hopefully not against Scotland, but you can see the inevitable coming. There was a few things in there, like the line-out drive at the end, for example. Yeah, let's
1: talk about that because you've been sending us clips and you've got a pretty strong opinion about it. What I'll say before Jim gets into that on Ben O'Keefe,
0: and I don't say it that often about referees, I thought he had a good game. Like that physicality and ferocity, there was no TV bunker. There was no, like the way they all kept legal in that. There was some questionable clear outs at times, but he let the game flow. It wasn't about him at all. It was about two teams going hammer and tongs at him, which was great. But over to you, Jim.
3: No, it was just the last line out of the game. I thought it was harsh. Why so negative? I shouldn't be negative. I don't know why I am, but
1: it was just something that I picked out. Talk us through the whole process, because there's a few things in that drive that you've got an issue with and then what happened at the end as well no because it's taken away a little bit from Ireland but
3: okay if I may so South Africa win the ball Deon Ferry good ball in Ty Byrne gets himself in a position up the side gets himself in the way didn't change his bind didn't change his bind no but he's swimming up the side and the ball is available but Ben O'Keefe's on the wrong side he says play he might have said it once might have said it twice and as Kobus Reinach is about to play away Bang, blows a whistle, end of the game. It doesn't really matter because Ireland deserve to win the game, right? So I think we can all sit here and say that. But they're them little things where you talk about big decisions on the biggest stage in big games. And my point in me saying that is South Africa are just as good as Ireland, right? So you think about the things that they can fix. If they bring a Andre Pollard in, if they do a 6-2 bench instead of a 7-1 bench, if... Buts and maybes, South Africa will be back, right? They're an unbelievable team. I mean, that was one of the most ferocious test matches I've ever seen in terms of physicality. They are both so evenly matched. And then it comes down, and I called Alan Gilpin out, sat with him watching the Wales-Australia game, legend of a bloke, actually. And I was like, who is it? What's Bill doing? And Alan was like, no, it's not Bill. We're just letting him take the heat for it. It was me. So he's happy for me to put it on record. He, two years ago, said, yeah. It, it, it was me who made the decision around the seeding and stuff like that in hindsight, but he's a quarter Welsh as well, so he wants to give them an easy path to the sevens. He didn't say that. <laughs> that was me. I was saying that to him. But what a game. Look, undeniable. Best pool game. It's one of the best games I've ever seen because I was there, and maybe because of the atmosphere and the energy, and that's the kind of rugby that I love to see.
0: The only thing on Ben O'Keefe that I will say about that last sort of collapse line-out drive which obviously the South Africans are raging about they're going to miss the conversion anyway so it a be a draw Might be an horrible sorry apologies as he's saying what he's saying if you watch the clip back Ben O'Keefe is like use it where is it let's see it and he goes around to the far side and the way that Reinhardt falls his arse and his back and his shoulders are blocking Ben O'Keefe's view to see the ball's Alive, And we get the, the view coming from this side where Ben O'Keefe has gone round the other side and it looks like it's available, but he can only ref what he sees. So harsh, but it is what it is. And he ref what he saw and he didn't see the ball
3: and Ireland win. And Andrew picked Ireland to win the World Cup. And I did see, was it a tweet or was it on LinkedIn or it was on something where you mapped out the road to the final? Yep. You know what? I would say, having seen that, and because of it being South Africa, who've been the best team, I'd say Ireland are the favourites now.
0: If they can get past the quarters, why are you being horrible, Jim?
3: But that's what we do. I think deep rooted, we're negative, but we're trying to put positive spins on everything. And here's the thing you
0: talk about quarterfinals, Andy Rowe's sitting there very quietly because the one team that's under the radar everyone's talking about Ireland, France, South Africa, even England a little bit, New Zealand. Everyone's written them off, really, haven't they?
1: Mate, Ireland's the best case scenario for us. No one wants to come up against the Springboks and get beaten up in the quarterfinals. We come up against Ireland after they've had to string together games against Tonga, the Springboks, then Scotland. Johnny Sexton's going to be limping into that quarterfinal. Nah, mate. If he
3: plays against Scotland. Oh. Of course he's going to play against Scotland. I don't know. Maybe may be interesting to see. You reckon? Well, look, you know, Scotland need to win the game against Ireland and deny Ireland a bonus point, right? So... I don't know. Gosh, it's going to be hard. I feel for us. I blame Alan. Alan? Mate, we're out before the tournament's even started, mate. One <laughs> game in and we're out. <laughs> we're not. We're not out. There's still hope. Someone's giving it loads to me at the airport. They're asking me about it. And I was like, look, it's going to be difficult. He's like, oh, I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. I said, well, why fucking I can come up to me and ask them? Like, oh, it's going to be easy. Sorry, no, no, no. I've watched Ireland and South Africa. It's actually going to be really easy for Scotland to
1: get out of this pool, mate. Idiots. What the hell? Idiots. You mentioned Andre Pollard. Is he the starting 10 if you're the Springboks coach heading into the quarterfinals? I don't think so.
3: Really? I don't. I think Manny Leboque has been so good. I mean, what's Andre Pollard played? 20 minutes for Leicester? Yeah, it was a big one though. 20, 25 minutes against Sale away on a Friday night. There you go. I don't think you can bring him straight back in.
0: It's a big one, isn't it? Because the way they play now at the Springboks, they've gone from boring as anything when they beat the Lions and, and that stuff. So they're really exciting to watch now. They've got that forward power facet of the game, and the kicking and all that stuff, but sur at fullback, back obviously got Cheslin Colby. These players are exciting to watch. Fafter Clerk, how good did his hair look as well? I felt like I needed to smell it, to be honest. It I did so smell much. it,
3: but I asked them to cut that out of the video, just
0: a bit weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a bit weird post-match. It's a massive one, isn't it? Because, yeah, Jim's right, Andre's not played very much. Maybe he goes on the bench, and as soon as they miss one or two, and it's close, in a quarter-final, semi-final, potential final, you bring him on but Which
3: they've done goody with Mornay Stain before mm. if you think of big games gone by. It's a big question mark now because they've backed Mani LeBoc a lot in the press, in everything, but
0: you can't get away from the fact that they're missing kicks. And all they'll be thinking is in a court final against France, what happens when it's close? And maybe they'll be thinking against France, because France score a lot of tries the way they attack, they score a lot of points. So maybe they'll thinking we start with Marnie LeBock because we need to play an expansive game at the right time for South Africa, and then bring Hondre on as and when. And then if you play England in a semi-final, if we beat Fiji, which is a big if because we're now a good Fiji are, then it's maybe a different conversation to how you play against England. But against France in the quarterfinal, which is who they're going to play, yeah, maybe you go Manu LeBoc to start off with.
1: Psychologically, do you think the Springboks hurt now? Like, does that have some impact moving forward negatively for the Springboks and? Positively for Ireland, of course.
3: Shall I tell you honestly what, what Ebenezer Beth said to me? I didn't know whether to share it or not, but we're obviously best friends. I, was, I just said to him, a physical game. And he's like, uh, we'll get them again if they make it through. <laughs> if they make it through. That's what he said. So you're talking about the world champions, right? We're talking about top two best teams in the world. The psychological part I don't think affects South Africa. I go back to my initial point. They get the kicks at goal. They get that line-out drive going at the end of the game, potentially a different referee. It looks very different, right? But Ireland have beaten them now. Ireland have beaten the All Blacks in the Test Series. Ireland are Grand Slam champions. That's the one. And they're not going to face them now until the final. I think playing France in the quarterfinal, and we'll get on to France, with or without DuPont, are they the same team? There's a lot of stuff to happen to get to that point. But I think South Africa have this kind of arrogance and rightly so, because they're world champions, that they can beat anyone.
0: I don't necessarily think it's arrogance, but I think it is, you talk about the psychological impact of stuff. Evan Ezebeth will be watching that tackle back of James Lowe, where he gets lifted. Does that ever happen to you, Jim?
3: second row ball... Well, I mean, you probably dropped it before you even caught the ball, but... My safety mechanism was just to hit the deck as quickly deck. as I could. So, look for grass. People would be screaming, look for grass, look for grass. But you're right, he's looking at that, and he and he's embarrassed. Like, he'll feel embarrassed, he'll be raging, because that's the one image that's come out of that game. And I think that's the South African
0: mindset of, okay, listen, we've lost to Ireland, and they took it to us physically. They're normally beast teams, don't they, South Africa? But their kind of mindset and mentality is always... Right, that's the challenge that's been set. Let's show them what South African rugby is all about. And they'll have no problem bouncing back from that. The South Africans, it'll actually motivate them more, I reckon. And they did it in the World Cup in 2019, didn't they? Obviously, a very similar game against the All Blacks in the group stage in terms of the ferocity, the physicality, the intensity of everything that went on in that group game. And they come back and win the World Cup. So they're the only team to have ever won a World Cup after losing a group game. And so I absolutely wouldn't write them off. And I actually think it will spur them
1: on. Jim, you mentioned you had a chat with Evan. Did you have a chat with any of the Irish players, the media team that you're near them?
3: Well, I was there with Dan Levy, actually, and it was so nice. Dan Levy, what a legend. But i tell you now, I know when we had him on the live show, we said that he speaks incredibly well. And he was like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm going to work in the city. He's doing some stuff in whiskey and stuff like that. Very, very smart lad. Like, understands the game, very close to the players. It was really nice seeing his interaction with the players as well. I could hear some of the stuff they were saying. Like, James Lowe was chatting to both of us. He just said, like, they missed 11 points at goal. So, a lot of them were pretty understanding of the way that the game unfolded. They know that they need to be better. But yeah, there's a real buzz around this Irish team, isn't there? And again, now having won that game, and you can't underestimate the energy and the fans in the stadium, what that does and Goody even talking about them winning the World Cup, like that blows up on social media. We're over in Dublin all the time. They love rugby, right? The enormity of them winning a World Cup cannot be underestimated. And you look across that team, there's no weak link now. The only weak link is, and we've said it before, is they're so reliant on Johnny. But he came through that game. Peter stetzer was absolutely smoking him. And he was getting up and he was going again. So they keep him fit. There you go. Crowley did well when he came on. He did. Well you mentioned Crowley before, I like Crowley as well. Yeah. Tao did really well when he came on. Finley Beelham. Yeah. My boy. He was involved in a couple of the scrums that again could be marginal calls. They weren't marginal calls, but I'm not basing it on that. He is banging boys, getting off the line, chopping them, banging them. He was very good. Because you think Ty Furlong the whole time, oh gosh, the island, like the bomb squad, etc. He comes on and he was very good, very impressed.
0: I was a bit of a fanboy on Saturday, so I sent a few of them a few messages on social media. Finley Beelan was one. My holiday friend, James Lowe, sent him one. Talking about Dan Levy, Jim, well, I had a couple of back and forths with him over the weekend because he's absolutely loving life in Paris. And he did have a complaint. He had a big complaint about you. What? Not your breath. Not this time. No, breath's all right now. Sorting out that tooth. Not your breath. But more so, the fact that he's going out and I know Beck, Mrs. Hamilton, listens to the pod. So I'm not being paid to say this.
3: She never listens to the pod. You know that, but keep going.
0: But... He's painting the town red. He's painting Paris. Well, he's green now, actually. He is loving life. And he said the one disappointing thing with Jim is he won't come out for a load of beers with me. So
3: you're all business, mate. Andrew, you know, it is all business. I was up at half four in the morning, having got to bed at half one, two o'clock, to head down to Nice for the Scotland game. And you know what it's like when we go full noise. You know what happened in Marseille? No, I don't. Well, this is the meme that I sent you the day after Marseille.
1: Now, I want to know what happened in
0: Marseille. I don't remember what happened in Marseille. Bullshit!
3: I generally don't remember what happened in Marseille. Exactly. That's why, we ain't. I
1: ain't going out, it's all business. I didn't even go out, did I? No, me neither. Goody, some of those Irish players you're messaging on Twitter, any of them want to come on the pod or...?
0: Well, we have good relationships with a lot of the Irish boys, Johnny Sexton being one, a load of the others. We get on well with them, they're all great lads, but there is a bit of a... Complaint coming in now, isn't the gym?
3: Well, there's no complaint. There's just no access. It's
0: the only downside with Irish rugby at the minute in terms of access to interviews, one on ones, getting to know the lads a bit more. And maybe it is that whole thing around keeping it within the family of the rugby team itself and the squad and not letting there be any distractions. But it is a massive shame that they won't allow access to individual interviews because the sound bites would be brilliant. And they're all level headed guys that, you know, they're not going to come and say anything ridiculous, are they? That's going to pump up other people, other players, other countries. But it is a bit disappointing, but I'm still a massive Irish fan.
1: We'll come on to Wales in a minute, but Eddie Jones is the Swallaby side. Goody, do you want to start Holy on this, mate?
3: Holy smokes. Go get him, Goody. <laughs> Go get him. Well,
0: I did not want to say I told you so, but I told you so. Party sell-by date, tick, said it months ago. Runs a toxic environment, supposedly, and it's coming out. A penny for the thoughts now of Dave Rennie, Quade Cooper, Michael Hooper, Bernard Foley, Brad Davis, a lot of other coaches that have worked for him. He knows Eddie's way, and that's the only way he knows. And okay, when you're the boss, that's what you do. But when you've been such a failure as he has since he took over Australia, and he's coming out and sticking it to people, journos, come on the journey, mate. I'm not talking to you, mate. You don't know anything about rugby, mate. You know, people are like, oh, you've got a personal vendetta. He's treated a lot of people very badly over the last however many years. And so there's a lot of people that have an axe to grime because of how he has treated people. Some good friends of mine have been very badly treated by him, a supposed bullying culture and all that stuff. Now, because of how he conducts his business, I don't feel sorry for him at all. You know, he's got his head in his hands, his press conference was awkward, the whole thing about Japan and that supposed interview, you know, the timing of that has come out. But the bottom line is he's played 8-1-1, And everyone, including Jim Hamilton, a load of people were saying, "Oh, England shouldn't have sacked him because what about his World Cup record? Well, how about his World Cup record now, ladies and gentlemen? He's the first Australian coach to never make the knockouts. And he led Australia to their biggest ever defeat at a World Cup. And he's just, time's up. He's got to go. And I did a column on it for Rugby Pass. If he loses the game, I think he's in an untenable position now. You look at the body language. I know there were tears from a lot of the Aussies after the game because they realised the severity of what had happened. Not just the loss and the manner of the loss, but the fact that they're barring a miracle out of the competition now. It's a product of an Eddie Jones culture that is the Eddie Jones show. It's driven by him and how he treats people. There there wasn't enough spite or there wasn't enough desire in that jersey. And Sonny Bill said it, didn't he, about how would you follow someone into battle and let them lead you? Well, I can tell you now, having knowledge on the inside... Of people that are in the camp and have been in the camp and all that stuff, and how he's handled his business over there doesn't surprise me. And I, I did say that it would be a shambles under Eddie, and it is a shambles. You know, there are bigger issues in Australian rugby than just the Wallabies team, but he has taken them backwards at a rate of knots. And it's the first Australian team probably to never make the knockouts. Anyone else is getting sacked. Australia needs to make a big decision. You can't leave him in charge of coaching the Aussies anymore. If you keep him in the environment, and he's talking about structure, mate, we go, bottom up, we've got a sword Australian rugby. Let him do off-field stuff if you're going to keep him in the environment. But one tip of the slipper in all this, and we've given him some stick on here because he's been asleep. Bill Sweeney knows what he's doing, doesn't he, lads? Off you go, Eddie. Sacking Eddie. Gardening leave? Nah. You go and ruin the Aussies, makes we know how bad you are. And off he goes. And He's a very wise man, Bill, so I take back a lot of what I've said. He's awake, Bill, and he knows what he's talking about. But... I hope that the Aussies were wise enough when they did the contract to have a a clause in there around minimum criteria of quarterfinals or World Cup, whatever. But I can't have seen Eddie Jones signing that in a contract. You want me, mate? Yeah, take the head out, mate. Yeah, come on the journey. Well, the journey has gone backwards, Eddie, so
3: time to go. He could be going to Japan Still being paid by England, still being paid by Australia, <laughs> and then being paid by Japan. You, some might say... What an entrepreneur. Some might say an absolute genius, but look, I'm with you now. I've given him the full benefit of the doubt, and it's unravelling now. And poor David Parecki in the press conference after, yeah. when all the Japan stuff's getting brought up, and Eddie's about to walk out of the press conference, like absolute tumbleweeds. The one the week before, I found quite funny. I found that one quite uncomfortable. And you know what? He's gone all in. He's had all his chips for this game against Wales. He's banged them on the table. He's put his nuts on there. Whatever hair he had left, he's put that in there and said, take it all because we're beating Wales. That's what he said. We are not losing this game and his position now has become untenable like Gudi said and it's hard to say that because you, look this is another human being right, it's his job, it's his livelihood albeit he's probably a multi-millionaire life's different now, the game's different now, you look at the very best teams in the world and the environments that they're in, look at Andy Farrell, look at the smart. and it's easy saying that because they're, they're the number one team in the world, look at Rassi Erasmus the way that he treats his players, the way that he treats his staff, no one leaves look at Scott Robertson with the Crusaders like what he's built there, that dynasty that he's built there spent some time with Ron Nogara last week as well like he was speaking about the people first and having to develop in that role mate is a dinosaur yeah. that bullying mentality and that toxic environment has now come back to bite him and now we mentioned Bill Sweeney Hamish McLennan who's heading up rugby Australia is going to have to make a, a massive decision because really how do you move Eddie Jones upstairs to then become the boss of the boss or to work out the structures excuse the French he's fucked it yeah. Unfortunately, he's gone all in. I can't see him there. And you know what? The game against Portugal, looking at how good Portugal are, what are you saying, Guido? Are you saying that Portugal are beating Australia? <laughs> I love it, mate. That's a big that. shout. Oh, I, I bet you that. would love it. But I wouldn't want it. We need Australia to be good. I go on holiday to Portugal, mate. I want Portugal to win. I'm,
0: I'm half Portuguese now. What I will say, and I've got to disagree, I, I like George Gregan on punditry. A lot of time for him, for what he achieved as a bloke and all this stuff. And he... Was a little bit biased because he said, Look, I know the man very well, and you know, he'll be hurting and all that stuff. So, but he was like, Who else is there? I'm going to throw a name into the mix.
3: Can I guess first, and then you tell me if I'm right? Yep, Justin Harrison. Nope, <laughs> nope, <laughs> how good,
1: how good, Jamie Joseph.
3: Nope, we've had him on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen,
0: Andy Friend. Yes, that'd be good. Now, he's a great bloke, he's a brilliant coach, he's got experience of Australia, he's Australian, he has learned. A hell of a lot coaching Connacht. Done a bloody good job. Knows the detail of what works for Ireland. Aussies like Aussies, right? They didn't really take to Dave Rennie that well. I'm thinking, go and get Friendy. He's on his camper van in France somewhere. Get him now. Kick Eddie out tomorrow. That's a great shout. (laughs) It's such a good shout. His detail and his understanding and what he did at Connacht and his overall knowledge of the world of rugby and what he can take back in IP from Ireland to Australia to improve them as a whole country uh, you know obviously a, a national team but structures in place i think he's an ideal guy for australia so andy friend i can be your agent we'll get eddie sacked. phil war i used to play
2: against him we're gonna have a chat and we're in six year deal this episode is brought to you by etsy looking to instantly upgrade your mother's day gift from typical to meaningful shop etsy Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing.
1: Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How it
2: get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: He could be the Wallabies version of Warren Gatlin. I mean, how has he turned a team round that finished fifth in the Six Nations into a team that's first into the knockout stages of a World Cup?
0: They listened to Jim Hamilton and use Jim's words
3: as motivation. They've heard it all before. doesn't matter what I say, as we obviously we know that. What a performance. They were unbelievable. Yeah. The frightening thing for everyone else is, not just because it was Australian and they were poor, was the way in which they played. It looked like the Wales of old. Yeah. Physical, direct, simple unflustered by Bigger going off Anscombe coming on Anscombe look back to his best which he hasn't been so happy for
0: him amazing so happy after everything he's been through what a lovely bloke but hell and back with injuries and then to perform like that when that is the biggest question mark Dan Bigger going off
3: out of this world you're right because Dan Bigger goes off all the eggs in his basket Sam Costello isn't quite ready Anscombe his legs are gone after his injury that's massive for them because now they have got the choice haven't they of how they want to play bringing in other players George North I thought he was done I said five years ago I thought he was done did he get man of the match in the end I didn't see the Anscombe did Anscombe did did he well that's what I mean so you got the 10, 12, 13 whether or not it's bigger Anscombe Gareth Davis shredded to the bone 4% body fat percentage was unbelievable tell the arms and the triceps on him that but this is what I mean Goody as in like going into a World Cup whether or not they've been back to see Poland again and they're waterboarding each other they went Turkey did they
0: they got their hair done, their teeth
3: done. The and t- head and t- well, 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 Lewis Reese Summit definitely did. My goodness me. Zoo! What are <laughs> you doing, you absolute <laughs> slipper? Uh, anyway, he's a, uh, a fan of Ronaldo. But Wales, just complete identity. Chatting to Ashy, I don't know if he mentioned it to you, Goody, but I was saying, who do you want to avoid in the quarterfinal? Like, thinking he'll say Fiji. He was like, Wales. Yeah. I said, really? And he said, like, the worry for England is that physicality with Wales I thought they looked brilliant the back row Jack Morgan again that fifty twenty two, which is the obvious but that's the obvious right it's the fifty twenty two, but it's not that it's the physicality it's his carrying it's his collisions the makeup with Aaron Wainwright in the back row even though Tulupe Falatao is a lot older now and isn't the player there's a bit of Billy Vanapola around it having played that many games but the balance of that back row most carries Falatao had for him there you go Exactly. So the most carries, you've got two young lads in there as well. The line-out was a little bit better, still a little bit of a problem for them. The scrum absolutely decimated the Australian scrum, but it's the confidence that Wales now have because they're now into that quarterfinal. And we know any Warren Gatlin team in a World Cup, we saw, keep going back to four years ago, they didn't beat South Africa, but they love a semi. Yeah. The Wales do. And they, I was so impressed. And you know what? I am genuinely really, really happy for them. What we will say about Jack Morgan... Just make him Lions captain, boys.
0: There's your outside bet. Jack Morgan, Lions captain in two years' time. There's so much to happen. Finn's going to be Lions captain anyway. (laughs) How far can they go in the tournament? Uh, Semis. It's looking like they're going to play Argentina in the quarters now. And on the form they're on, the trajectory they're on, and it started with that first summer test against England at Cardiff. And I'm like, mate, Wales, they're going to struggle. They dispatch England. They should have beaten England a week later as well, at Twickenham. And then, obviously, they've started the World Cup. Bit of luck against Fiji in the end, but that has grown in confidence. Portugal's a bit ropey at times, but pulled themselves through. They're just getting better on better, week on week. And that performance, it's probably one of their best ever performances, especially at a World Cup, to dispatch the Aussies in that manner. They won't get too carried away with themselves and ahead of themselves in terms of where they can go, but you're now probably playing Argentina in a quarterfinal, which then leads you on to a semi-final against Ireland. Who knows? Who knows? Look, Andy Rose just there going, what yeah, about, thanks, mate. What Come about on. the All Blacks? What about the All Blacks,
1: mate? Riding off the All Blacks.
3: This is me saying it, the enormity of what it would be for Ireland, yeah. the country, everything that Wales have gone through. And you talk about someone galvanising a nation. Warren Gatlin comes in. Wales as a rugby nation... They've been on their back, not even on their knees, they've been on their back. You think about everything that's going on with the club games, the money in the game, everything that's gone on behind the scenes, and it just shows you the enormity of a World Cup and how that can galvanise a nation, how that can change the mindset of a team. Like we're talking about a team now that... Is literally the click of a finger, like Judy said, that performance against Portugal stumbled through. Some absolute idiot on a, on a podcast, whoever he is, he's, he should never do a podcast again, says he thinks that Georgia will beat them. Like that's <laughs> going to be the biggest upset in the Rugby World Cup. But it shows you, as in, you get the environment right and you get them one wins and you come through adversity, which they did against Fiji, it can change everything.
0: Big shout out to Alex King as well doing a hell of a job from all accounts, and Mike Forshaw. There were some amazing performances. You mentioned Jack Morgan. I thought Josh Adams was outstanding as well. To a man, they were great. Tompkins, and you tweeted about it. Told you, years ago. Yeah, (laughs) British Lion he should have been, (laughs) back in the day. But yeah, Tompkins was immense. There wasn't one bad performance. Do you know what, as well? You mentioned the line-outs. Adam Beard and Will Rollins were as physical as you like. Yeah, they looked fit. They were proper proper animals on
3: Sunday night. Best I've seen them both play. That Fiji game has conditioned them. Yeah. like that. I, I know that's a ridiculous thing to say because they would have been conditioned, but you know what I mean, Goody. Battle hard them, as in raise the focus now, the level they need to be at. Goody would have been happy to see Faz
0: back at 10, mate. Yeah, you play well. And then what I'm not happy about is everyone's saying George Ford's going to play 10 and Faz moving to 12. But let's talk about the Chile game. Good to see him back. How hard does Faz look with the skinhead? That's all I'm looking at. Like, he could get angry in a phone box with himself, I
3: reckon. He looks that <laughs> hard with a skinhead. he just look hard with a skinhead, yeah. I'll be honest, he does. <laughs> just d- d- doesn't look happy. Just d- never looks happy.
0: The first 10 or 15 minutes, we made a load of errors. We are trying to change the way we, we played against Japan and Argentina, and we were putting width on the ball, making a few errors and all that stuff. But it was okay, because it was chilly. And then eventually, we clicked into gear. Yes, everyone, it's only chilly. And the people coming at me going, you know, you think you're great again. Listen, we put 71 points on the lowest ranked team in the World Cup, but we got some more confidence, momentum. Boys are getting touches, second touches, shaping attack. And it was kind of like the perfect scenario how we didn't start the game particularly well, making errors, but we stuck to getting width on the ball, getting to that edge. You know, Arundel gets five tries, one of them a ridiculously good finish. A couple of easy ones that even actually Jim wouldn't have scored it because he'd, he'd probably dropped the ball over the top from Faz.
1: could he start now in the big games
0: i would be interesting he's got a few interesting selection issues now similar to Gats right Gats has now got an issue does he pick Anscombe or Bigger if Bigger's fit because of how well Anscombe played well Marcus Smith was outstanding at fullback yes it's only against Chile but he added a layer to our attack and an excitement in those wide channels that we haven't seen or do you go back to Freddie Stewart who's so dependable under the high ball. On the wings, you've got Johnny May, who initially wasn't in the squad, scores a try against Fiji, is really good in the Steve Borthwick kind of mould of chasing kicks, box kicks, how you know we we will go back to type to play in the knockout games. Or you've got the excitement of Arundel on that wing, or there's Elliot Daly, and you know obviously Elliot played at 13 and he brings his own strength. So there's loads of different questions now for Borthers to try and work out. What would you do and what do you think
1: Steve Borthwick would do?
0: I think you've got to have Arundel in the team because of the X Factor that he brings. And then you coach him and coach him and coach him on position and play. Like Richard Wigglesworth has got all the experience of understanding the game that way. You pepper him with high balls and you work on him. But he has got something that not many players have got. He, it's like Lewis rees Zamet, right? He has got out-and-out out wheels, X Factor power. Look at the quads on him. Like his strength in kind of the mid-drift and the quad area, just gives him freakish speed, freakish power. Some people say, and Ashley was like, oh, he's a bit of a space cadet at times, positionally. The irony. Yeah. <laughs> but credit to it, five tries, one of very few players to have done that. A couple of them were just easy finishes or whatever. It was exciting, would not it? Marcus Smith at fullback, exciting. I don't think Steve Borthwick starts him there. I think Steve Bortwick will go back to Ford at 10, Farrell at 12, Toulanghi at 13, probably Johnny May and Elliot Daly on the wings and Stewart at fullback but he does have these options now for people that can change the game and it wouldn't surprise me if he starts Arundel it also wouldn't surprise me if he's not in the match day 23 for the knockout games as well because you know he is a winger that he can only either start on the wing really he can play a bit of fullback but you're not chucking him in there anymore because obviously Marcus Smith went so well so the balance of everything is interesting but Ingram were, were pretty good Theo Dan I thought played really well as well great to see him you know we've had him on the pod and you know He'll be absolutely buzzing to be at a World Cup and also impact on a World Cup as well.
3: I mean, how I know he's come from centre to hooker and all that stuff, but how And you do wonder whether there'll be a shift and a lot of mates with Jamie George, not saying that Theo Dan should start ahead of Jamie George, but they need a bit of power somewhere. And that's why I think actually not based on that game, well, yeah, it must be based on that game where Henry Arundel scores the five tries that he scores, but it is only Chile, but they need an X factor. Yeah. And it's like Lewis Rees-Samit, like you just said then, they just backed him early on, didn't they? Like positionally, wasn't amazing. Defensively, had to work on that in the shot window of everyone and the spotlight. But I could see Henry Arundel starting. I think they need, England needs something, don't they? Like they need a kind of spark of something a little bit different. And he will be break the eight potentially as well, which was, imagine
1: that. That's probably what Ashley was pissed off about. Yeah. Well, Jim, after the... Irish South Africa game people already starting to write Scotland's chances of progressing through the quarterfinals off and they've only played one game I know I mentioned it earlier it's uh,
3: such a Scottish way isn't it and it isn't Scottish people writing this off it's everyone else writing this off well and the Scots are writing this off as well look Paul of death we've said it frightening when you see that game on Saturday night South Africa versus Ireland and you look what's in our pool I thought we'd beat Tonga with a bonus point I came away from the game I'll be honest until I spoke to Chris Patterson at breakfast this morning, I was slightly underwhelmed. I expected more from us. But then you put into perspective Tonga are much better. The ball is very slippy. A lot of the teams are dropping the ball and having issues with the state of the ball, which is a story for another day. If it doesn't improve, we'll definitely call it out. But Tonga, physical, should have had a red card. Timopiao, yellow, they've gone to the bunker. Don't know how that's not given. Anyway, irrelevant, but we got the bonus point. We got the job done. So it was a workman-like performance. Blair Kinghorn looked good. We were physical, took them on head-on, expected to win. It's hard to really say any more than that. But what I would say from the seats that me and Kelly Brown were in, which were the hospitality comfy seats with ridiculous amounts of canapes, I was very happy, went there as fans. It's the Finn Russell show. We are narrow-minded, as this is to say we are a one-man team with Finn Russell. Like his ability to move, his passing, when he's on song, as we saw against South Africa, how they rushed him. Not that that is the worry, but that's just the assessment of looking down on the birds. He is the keys to the kingdom. I know Jamie Ritchie got knocked out. He he was concussed, and that's why it should have been a red card as well. But if Jamie isn't captain for whatever reason, I think you just give Finn the keys to the kingdom and you go all in on him. We'll get a bonus point against Mm -hmm. Romania. Sorry, Vern. I'm not sorry at all. We'll get put a bonus point on Romania. And like I mentioned earlier, we need to beat Ireland and then get nothing out of the game. So it is the impossible challenge. Expected us to beat Tonga, good game, lovely stadium in Nice. They were physical, everything you'd expect. They weren't fit. They were walking around by the end. They gave us a good physical test, but we get, got through that. We'll get through Romania. And then, goodness me, 7th of October, it's one in all in. Bit of a question for you, Jim.
0: Yes, please. So we talked about Big fans, Andy Farrell, earlier, sticking to his identity of what and focusing on his team and playing to their strengths. When I saw the Scotland team come out and he's got Carl Stane on one wing and he's got Darcy Graham on the bench and he's got Chris Harris in the centres and he's got Hugh Jones on the bench, Hugh Jones and Darcy Graham have been two of your better players, top five, top six, seven players probably over the last however long. And part of the reason Scotland have been so good to watch at times. Has Gregor Townsend gone the, down the route of, oh, I want to try and match Tonga with physicality? And I'm picking those two, as opposed to sticking to what's best for Scotland. I'm not saying Carl Stein played badly, he didn't. I'm not saying Chris Harris played badly, he didn't. I actually thought Carl Stein played really well, but... He's a fantastic player. He is. But then Darcy Graham comes on, ridiculous try, and was exciting every time he touched the ball. He's picking those two, not to match them, but because he's playing Tonga and he thinks, well, they're big, so we better pick our biggest players, as opposed to playing to his pure strength
3: of of what he sees? Well, I'd say Hugh Jones is bigger than Chris Harris, but I know what you mean in terms of identity of Chris Harris being a defensive player more than an attack and Hugh Jones being all-out attack. I would say, and this is me with a little bit of inside knowledge as well, that there isn't a huge amount between Carl Stein and Darcy Graham. I know Darcy Graham scored the wonder try when he came on, but Carl Stein, we scored four, four tries against Tonga last time he played him. He's a very good player. There's an argument... That they could both play. Mate, Duhan was ridiculous. And I've got some stats on Duhan in a minute. Exactly. The meters that he makes, as in the, the carries, the the, the breaking the line. He beat
0: fourteen defenders. Mate, he's
3: our X Factor player. He got sat down though, didn't he? Properly got sat down. Sit down. He bounced straight back up. Safa, in he, South African, yeah. they're built differently. Carl Stane's a brilliant player, but look, this was it's the old school thing. Run them down for sixty, they're gonna flag the last twenty minutes of the game and that's what happened. Bring George Horn on, bring Darcy Graham, tired bodies. But I think if it comes down to it, I don't know. Actually, you know what? It'll be really interesting. I think there's an argument for Carl Stane to start against Ireland. Ahead of Darcy Graham. Really? Ariel. He was your big shot. Ariel. Favourite player the other week. Mate, yes, I love Darcy Graham. it has got nothing to do with me not liking him. Mate, I like Carl Stane. He's captain at Glasgow. He's been phenomenal for them. Again, there's a South African density in his bones because he's South African as well. I know what you're saying. I know exactly what people are thinking. This isn't to say that Carl Stane's better than Darcy Graham. But airily, a little bit more robust. Darcy's not going to play against Ireland and start ripping the ball out from 45 metres, 50 metres and making line breaks. Chess and Colby didn't do that. Aronson didn't do that. When you play against Ireland, it's this game of chess, isn't it, back and forth, kicks going up in the air, the 50-50s. So the fact that he's a little bit taller or he positionally might be better defender, I don't know them little nuances that I've got no idea what I'm talking about. There's an argument for that. But against Tonga... 60 minutes, bang Darcy Graham on, bang George Horn, bring Hugh Jones on. We have that riches now to do that. The unfortunate thing for Scotland is the weight, isn't it? So we've got Romania. And I was sat with Kelly, we were sat there, and we were like, how do you even look at this? So if they don't get through, they didn't get through last time in 2019, got beat by Japan, got beat by Ireland, and we were out, beat Russia though. And it happens this time around. Gregor Towns has not made it to the quarterfinal of both World Cups that he's coached in. How do you even measure success? But you know, if you're speaking honestly, you're looking at Scotland, we're miles better. We're fifth best team in the world. But the gulf between five and everything above that is massive. I
0: mean, it's harsh, isn't it? But that's why you are working at World Rugby, James, to change the narrative, change the draw. So next time round, when we're all in Australia... Scotland can play Chile. (laughs) Scotland in their group get Chile. They get Portugal. They get Uganda.
3: And they get one our team. And then we definitely qualify like England, yeah? You never know. All right. Jim's actually pushing to get the draw done now for the next World Cup. <laughs> yeah, that's what Scotland ironically need, isn't it? But it is hard, isn't it? So what, what do you do? What's your assessment of Scotland after this if we don't beat Ireland?
0: Well, you've lost to the best two teams in the world. There's no shame in it. I'll rib you until we lose to you in the Six Nations probably, but...
3: It doesn't matter. It's disappointing. Like, as in you, you, you go in home and it's you're disappointed you get it. Then what?
0: For me, there's no better coach for Scotland than Gregor right now. It's not a question of he don't make the quarterfinals, get rid of him. Because of the progress you've made, it's just so unfortunate that World Rugby did the draw three years ago. Blame Alan Gilpin.
1: Jim, do you think they can beat Ireland?
3: Or the pause? The pause says no. Well, the, the, well the, the...
1: Why are you stuttering? <laughs>
3: <laughs> if you're asking the expert opinion, no. Scotland shouldn't win and they probably won't win. But on any given day, it can. If Ireland turn up and they're not at the intensity they were against South Africa... If they make a couple of changes, if they take Scotland lightly, Scotland can win. Yes, they can.
0: Send some haggis in and give them the
3: shits. That's what you need to do. Haggis doesn't give you the shits, Andrew. <laughs> it might be the 25 potato scones you had when you were up here after 12 <laughs> pints of Guinness that give you the shits. Scotland can beat Ireland, but it's going to be extremely difficult. When was the last time we beat them? It's been absolutely years, and Ireland are on fire. They've shown that now. It's going to be incredibly tough. We're a good team, but... I'm pretty down about it at the minute, but come the 7th of October when I'm there, pitch side again, I'm high and you know, see to come pitch side with me and Eben and all these lads as well because they want Scotland to beat Ireland. I might feel differently about it, but it's going to be incredibly tough.
1: And it'll be tough for Anton Dupont to come back as well. What are we making of that? Back for the quarterfinals with a face mask on or?
3: Yeah. PhD, Jim. Andrew, we know. We've played with guys that, Brad Barrett, he had a plate put his cheek and played but he's built differently. He played a week later. You know, Anton Depont built differently as well. Firstly, we should say, how horrible.
0: Well, firstly, we should say, your mate, what's he doing? Fabian, you're 50-odd up at half-time. Mental. A, why is he starting against Namibia? And B, at half-time, why are you leaving him on for? Mental. Because you're opening yourself up to that, don't you, in reality? And it's a tragic, tragic kind of outcome to the game and the World Cup. Johan Dazel... You know, he's got pelters on social media and some real harsh abuse, which is uncalled for. He, He's not deliberately tried to smash him in the face, but he's just got a tackle badly wrong. And he's actually leading with his head. It's not even like a clear shoulder, like he's trying to blitz someone. It's really unfortunate, but it's a red card, bottom line. No doubt about it. It's just, it's it's a massive shame. If there's anyone that can come back from it, though, it's De You know, how he's built, we were chatting about him the other week and he doesn't even sweat, he's, you know... I'm surprised Dazel's head wasn't sore than the old cheekbone to be honest but massive shame and if he does miss the quarterfinals and France lose then you can kind of look at Fabian Gautier's decision to leave him on it's crazy playing him in that
3: mental and he is like I tweeted about it and you look at the interactions on there it's not just a throwaway statement France are going to struggle without Anton Dupont they just are just mentally emotionally losing Intermach is one thing losing your captain when was the last time you've not played in a big game with Anton Dupont? You're going in blind, effectively, into a quarter-final against the world champions or the best team in the world in Ireland. You go into a quarter-final to play them without your best player and your captain, the one that everyone's talking about in the world. Well, I don't think, I know. It's an incredibly big ask emotionally for France to do that. So does Anton Dupont play? Using my PhD, I'll chat to Peser Dave. I think he plays. He's definitely beyond the bench. Whether or not he starts or not, I don't know. It depends on his recovery. It depends how many hours sleep he gets in the oxygen chamber. Does
1: this open the door for Italy in any way to beat France? No. No. You wanna worry about you playing him. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the all blacks. Actually, do you know what? It was pretty
1: tight in the Six Nations.
0: Yeah, ordinarily you'd say no chance, but God, it'd be funny, wouldn't it? Go on, Italy. I can't see it happening because France have been that good. But they've stitched themselves a little bit by playing Antoine de in that game, like they have. be interesting, but Andy Rowe, if I'm the All
1: Blacks, I'm worried about Italy first. Let's have a look at the games coming up this weekend. In Fiji, Georgia. Jim, have you given up on Georgia yet? After the game against Portugal, yes,
3: unfortunately. And I saw them training last week. My old fitness coach, Chopper, who is training with them. Paul Tito, do you remember Paul Tito, Cardiff? Yeah. Line out guru, he's there as well. Joe Worsley was there. Joe Worsley looks a bit old now, doesn't he? I saw him. I thought it was that granddad stretching. It was Joe Worsley. Oh, that's coaching for you. It is coaching. Coaching Georgia. Shadow of them former selves. And they were lucky to get away with a draw against Portugal, who were fantastic, especially in attack at the weekend. Now, nah, Fiji, different level. There's levels now. And unfortunately for Georgia, they've disappointed this World Cup. I don't like saying that. I thought they were going to beat Wales before. Absolute idiot. No comfortable win for Fiji be very surprised if Georgia even get close yeah and Fiji now have it obviously in their power they're
0: in control of their own destiny and interestingly Jim when you were talking about Chris Ashton earlier when you said about quarterfinals, and we're talking about Fiji now England more than likely going to play Fiji if they beat Georgia this weekend then it's a sure thing pretty much Chris Ashton said he was worried about Wales's physicality Fuck, England are going to play Fiji <laughs> What about their physicality, Ashley? Yeah,
3: he's blinded though, isn't he? He's like he's he's in that old school mindset. This is a different Fiji team. Yeah. So yeah, Fiji by twenty, I'm gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say twenty as well.
0: Australia, Portugal. Let's go, Portugal. Come on, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
3: let's go. Portugal by (laughs) twelve. Can't see it. I'm gonna say Portugal by six then. Come on, Portugal. I'm I'm gonna stick to my guns, Portugal by twelve.
0: Argentina, Chile? Argentina have been underwhelming, haven't they? Mm.
3: They've been crap. Big derby, isn't it? Big derby, yeah. South American mm. derby. Uh, Argentina by
1: 55. I'd go Argentina by 32. Scotland to keep their chances alive against Romania.
0: Yeah, Romania have got a big game in them. Romania by... No, I'm joking. Scotland, all, I think they'll go about their business. We saw the social media post going around, beat Tonga with a bonus point. Tick. Beat Romania with a bonus point. That'll be a tick. I'm going to go Scotland by
3: 72. Oh, I'm going to go Scotland by 54. I think there'll be a few changes. I think Ben Healy starts at 10. Hamish Watson comes in. I want to see a few changes. 54.
1: All right, well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly.
0: Yeah, let's. We're going to start off with, I mentioned him earlier, but we're going to give him mention the good. Bill Sweeney gets a shout out on the good this week. Absolute genius to let Eddie Jones go. Sack him as England coach, and then let him go off to Australia. Don't put him on garden leave. Let him ruin the Aussies. Well done, Bill Sweeney. You know your rugby unions. What else is good? Damien Pernot gets a mention of the good hat-trick against Namibia, and he's my pick for the top try scorer of the tournament, so that's why I'm getting him in the good as well. More tries, please, Damien, unless you play England at some point. Gareth Hanscombe gets a mention of the good as well this week. He's been to hell and back with injury. Comes on after 12 minutes. Scores 23 points. Lovely, lovely chip through for Tompkins to score that try as well. Got his man of the match, really chuffed for him, lovely bloke, really pleased for him. And Wales also get a mention in the good for their biggest ever win over Australia. They were dominant and they're the first team through to the quarterfinals, confirmed. So big shout-out to Gats, Alex King, Mike Foreshort, Humphreys, Jenkins, let's name them all. Top work by all of them. So yeah, big shout-out to Wales. Duan van der Merwe gets a mention in the good this week. 14 defenders beaten against Tonga. Only Giorno Lomu, Seru Rambini and De La Salle have beaten more defenders in a history of the World Cup match. So, uh, Duan van der Merwe, Jim's talking about dropping him. What are you on about, Jim? (laughs) No, 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 no. He's an absolute superstar, that bloke. So, uh, he gets mentioned in the good. Henry Arundel, he becomes one of only four players to have scored five tries or more. In a World Cup match, so it was his first World Cup match ever as well. So big shout out to Henry Arundel. Northern Hemisphere rugby, get a mention in the good this week. Andy Rowe. Do you know why? Why? Why, Goody? Four pools. Yeah. Four Northern Hemisphere teams top of each pool. So uh it's pretty good up here. You all blacks.
1: No, mate. The first time in a World Cup that all Southern Hemisphere teams No have lost the game in Nepal. There you go. Yeah, basically, you're rubbish, mate.
3: Mate, who knows? You're trying to unpick pick something, Andy Rowe. Just worry about beating Italy, all right? You just <laughs> concentrate on that. See you next week. But the good this
0: week goes to Ireland. Of course, it does. 13 points to eight, winners over the box. It was amongst the best and most intense test matches I think we've seen. To a man, they were incredible, showing why they are the number one team in the world. We love Ireland, we love going to Dublin, we love going to Belfast. Let's get down to Limerick and Cork as well for live shows. Ireland, we love you and that is why you get the good this week. The bad, few bits of bad, we're going to start off with South African goal kicking. We mentioned it earlier, they were one out of five against Ireland, 11 points missed from the tee which ultimately proved crucial and they are below 50% as a strike rate for goal kicking at the World Cup so far. So not good for South African goal kickers. Namibia, get a mention the bad this week. And there's another one for you, James. World Rugby, World Rugby hat on. Their tournament scheduling hasn't been kind to them. They've dealt them a tough hand, but losing 96-0 to the French isn't great. It's pretty awful, to be honest. But in their defence, they've had, or will have had, four games in 17 days. Which, when you talk about scheduling, that's not right. Compared to France, the hosts, who will have had four games in 28 days. So look at the inequality between... Tier 1 host nation and a Tier 2 nation in Namibia. It's just not fair, James. So can World Rugby sort that out as well, please? What else was bad? Fabian Gaultier gets mentioned in the bad this week for, yes. Yes. first of all, playing DuPont against Namibia. But then secondly, doubling down on it, you nearly 100 nil up at half-time, Fabian. And you leave DuPont on. Madness. And he ends up getting his cheekbone smashed. So no need for it, Fabian. That's why you get a mention in the bad this week. And hopefully... DuPont will return for the quarterfinals and obviously that's a bit of bad news as well gets to mention the cheekbone getting smashed for DuPont but we're going to see him hopefully desperately get the mask on get the Edgar Davids on whatever it is get it on and get yourself in the quarterfinal against the Springboks because they won't go after you either will they? But the bad this week I don't know where it's going to go let me have a think about this one Eddie Jones <laughs> of course we're going to give the bad to Eddie Jones this week uh, he's passed his sell-by date as a coach he's been Evidently running a toxic environment, played eight, lost seven, only won one against Georgia, biggest ever World Cup defeat, and he's the first coach to have ever taken Australia to a World Cup and got knocked out in the group stages, if that does happen, which surely it will, hopefully it will. Eddie, your time's up, and that is why you get the bad this week. Yeah, mate. Come on a journey. Your journey's going to Japan, Eddie. Has he got a second interview, though, Jem?
3: Do you know that? I don't know, but if he goes to Japan, like I said, he's going with about £5 million, <laughs> pounds, UK pounds, exactly. in his rocket. And then the ugly. We're going to start off with
0: Johan Dazel's hit on Anton Dupont. Mistimed, looked really ugly. And then we're going to move on to incidents from the same game, Jim. Your the game. number
3: 11? The number 11. I know where you're going with this.
0: Yep, I am going to... The number 11. Afusipa Tomopiao. Uh, his hit on Jamie Ritchie, shoulders to the head... Not only was it bad, but he's going up, like he's flying up like an aeroplane, taking off. That's all you tackle, into straight into face. So not good from Tamar Piel. Read all day long for me, the bunker. You've had a shocker there. And Gregor Townsend said it as well. Fair play. I like that. A coach saying something he believes in and not just playing the party line. But Vi for Fita, He gets the ugly this week for his absolute cheap shot. Shoulders to the head with a tucked arm. Clear out to Arfin Russell. No one does that to Finn. But Finn... He's double hard. He can just bounce off that, get a five guys in. He's nails, mate. And he's hard. Hard as you like. It doesn't look like he should be hard, but Finn is hard. Glasgow boy, isn't he? Yeah. From the streets of Glasgow to the Lambo of Paris. Now Bath. I wonder if the Lambo's going to be in Bath. But anyway, going back to Vifer Feta, that's why you get the ugly. Don't do that to our Finn.
1: Thanks, Gertie. And as you've heard, this World Cup, we've been asking for your beyond expected stories in partnership with Asahi. And this week's story comes from Matthew Thompson. I was lucky enough in 2019 to spend a month in Japan following Wales at the World Cup. During my time there, I met people in Kumamoto who became lifelong friends. They inspired me to become an English teacher in Japan for the past year, which was a life changing experience and gave me the confidence to learn a new language, go snowboarding in the Japanese Alps, scuba diving in Okinawa and climbing Mount Fuji. Had I not met them during the World Cup, I don't think I would have been inspired to take such a gamble in my early 30s. The World Cup in 2019 for me was a genuinely life changing experience and I hope it is for everyone visiting France this year. Fair play, Matt. And you guys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, got a big shout-out to the Amateur
3: World Cup being run in France alongside the World Cup. The boys from Oban, Lauren, are representing Scotland and hoping to qualify out of the groups for the finals next weekend. If you're interested, you can check out the website at MundialRugbyAmateur.com.
0: Yeah, and a massive shout-out as well to John, who is running the Ochills Ultra 50-mile race. To raise money for the Matt Hampson Foundation. The race involves running from Perth to Stirling over the Ochil. Jim, this is in Scotland. You should know it.
3: Oh, no, no, no. Ochil. Yeah.
0: Ochil. Oh, Hills over 7,200 feet in ascent. This will be John's first ultra and at 57 years old. Fair play, John. Good on you. A mega challenge. So just search for John Cool, which is spelled C O U L L or John Matt Hampson Foundation on JustGiving.com to help him out. All the best, mate. 57, you're a madman, but what a cause
1: the Hambo Foundation is. Absolutely. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Jim. Welcome back, Producer Rob, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify.
0: Rugby spot. Spot Spotted Pod, 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 Pod. (laughs)